Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge Podcast by MGR, your host David Gill here. I hope everybody had a fantastic week. As always, I certainly did. And I just wanted to give a quick intro before we get into this interview. Uh, it was great, honestly. Joshua Browder is a really smart guy. Um, he founded the company Do Not Pay. It's an app that basically takes care of all the annoying things in your life or a lot of the annoying things in your life for you, dealing with customer service, uh, legal issues like traffic tickets, and you can even, it'll even now prepare the paperwork if you want to sue someone for not paying you, like if you're a freelancer. Now they've added features for handling insurance claims, all types of stuff, and we'll get into it in the episode. Um... And yeah, I think it was just a great interview. Uh, his family history is also very interesting and, I mean, just fascinating, honestly. And you'll see why uh, once we get it right at the beginning of the interview when I asked him about it because I did not know before I did the interview prep for this podcast. Normally, I uh, you know always do a little digging on people and try to get some relevant questions. And normally, I ask people about their background and his background is very interesting. Uh, he's a teal fellow, meaning Peter Thiel paid him to drop out of Stanford to work on this project a year ago, and it's worked out because he's now raised $4.6 million for this startup. Uh, He was featured on Forbes 30 Under 30, and uh, he's fantastic. We talk about uh, his kind of viral marketing, his approach. He's acquired hundreds of thousands, I think actually millions of, of downloads for his app, Uh, without paying a penny. He's very good at viral PR and viral marketing and creating things that people want to share. And we talk a bit about that because I think that's obviously something that a lot of you are interested in. You know, how can I acquire users, get customers without paying for them? Anyways, it was a fun conversation. That's enough for me. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, I am sitting down with Joshua Browder here. He is the founder and CEO of Do Not Pay. He is currently in an Uber, so hopefully the quality will be be, uh, good. How are you doing, Joshua? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. And to clarify, it's Joshua, not Josh? Uh, Either is fine, but I like Joshua. Okay, I'll go Joshua. So... I'll be honest, uh, I sent you a message yesterday asking if you would be on. And by the way, you're probably the fastest from sending a message to actually getting on an interview because uh, most people reply and say, oh, yeah, sounds great. I'll get back to you in a month. And you said, can we do it today or tomorrow? So thank you for that. But uh, when I first contacted you, it was just about do not pay. And I did not know a lot about your uh, background or history. And uh, in doing some research, I'm just going to read a few things from my notes uh, so the audience knows, but uh, I guess we'll get into it. But So you won the Teal Fellowship. Uh, when did you win that? Was that two, last year? That was last year. I've been a Teal Fellow for exactly a year now. So you dropped out of Stanford and basically did started working on Do Not Pay full-time, right? That's right. I've been working for Do Not Pay for so long, but it finally really taken off and I really wanted to devote all my time to it and a couple of weeks ago you raised 4.3 million or something around there correct seed round yes so we've closed 4.6 million in total seed funding and we have amazing investors yeah i saw you had andreessen horowitz and index and a lot of other great investors on there um but i also wanted to ask you because i definitely did not know this until i started researching you uh your great grandfather was the head of the u.s communist party and your father is 
Bill Browder, who is, uh, I guess, Putin's biggest enemy. Is that all true? That is true, yeah. Um, my great-grandfather was uh, a big fighter for workers' rights, so um, I definitely align with that. I don't believe in the communism aspect, but I definitely believe in fighting for people. So, yeah, I think that's funny. That I think it's a bit ironic that Peter Thiel, who's a you know known conservative in the tech world, gave money to you, uh, whose great-grandfather was the head of the Communist Party. But uh, anyways, I, I guess I just wanted to ask you all of those things. How did that... Because normally I ask people kind of a little bit about their background. How does all of that influence you uh, and kind of lead you to where you are today? I think that everyone is their own independent person. And um, none of my family really understand technology, so it doesn't influence me that much. But one of the biggest areas where it does influence me is obviously a lot of them, they've been prosecuted. They've been hunted down by some really terrible people. My great-grandfather was um, arrested and uh, sent to federal prison. My father uh, was um, detained and also has like 25 years of prison time that he's waiting to serve in Russia. And so all of this stuff makes me very um, not phased by anything. Sometimes when you're taking on the legal industry, you have lots of lawyers who are out to get you. But for me, I don't really care that much because I know that there are bigger problems in the world and I should just keep going with my project. Yeah, I guess we should explain, first of all, what Do Not Pay is for everybody listening. Um, it's basically a robot lawyer, I guess you could call it, right? That's trying to solve legal issues for everybody? That's right. All automatically, all of your consumer rights should just be given to you by Do Not Pay. So we started out just with parking tickets. I was a terrible driver when I was 18 and I was getting all of these parking tickets. And I was writing the same appeal letter over and over again to get out of them. And as a software engineer, it became obvious that this can so easily be automated. So I created the first version of Do Not Pay to help a few family and friends. And everyone just jumped on it so much that it made me realize this is a huge problem and I can take this somewhere. And I saw in an interview you did, you said that the goal is to basically put all lawyers out of business. Do you think that's actually realistic or is that just something you're saying to kind of get buzz? Well, I think that... Um, so do not pay is what we like, what I like to call like a, a robot or a chat bot. Um, and I don't think bots will be arguing in the Supreme Court anytime soon. But for the average person who's not being accused of murder, definitely you don't have to pay a lawyer thousands of dollars to get help. Mm -hmm. And so I think for normal people, they don't have to talk to a lawyer ever again. And that's my aim with do not pay. Yeah, because so I, I downloaded your app and uh, you have a lot many more features now many more services than just the uh tickets besides the tickets what has been the service that is the most popular right now so um the, the great news is a lot of them are equally popular because they're all such big problems but some of the most popular are bank fee appeals bank fees in america is 40 billion dollars a year just being taken from consumers and it can all be appealed um other other things are um DMV appointments, suing your landlord in small claims court, and actually suing Equifax because of the data breach. All of those, I would say, are some of the most popular. Yeah, I mean, so on the tickets for a second, how does that work exactly? Because I saw that you said that even if you are completely guilty, you can just by appealing give yourself an extra 60 days to pay. 
That's right. So um, the government in almost every jurisdiction stalls your, uh, freezes your fine just by uh, uh, appealing your ticket. And so because of that, um, it gives people who maybe would have taken a payday loan just to pay this expensive parking ticket extra time and do not pay provides that valuable service. To yeah, it's kind of ingenious, really. You're giving people 60-day pay terms interest-free, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, and uh, we also offer you cash back on the ticket, just like a real credit card, very generous terms. And so we want everything to be shifted through Do Not Pay. So I was using your app, and uh, I've seen on your Twitter that you hired some great designers. And I've got to say that it's a very beautifully designed app. And let me ask you, because really this is a space, you help people with law and other customer service issues, things like that. Basically things that, you know, they're annoying. People don't want to deal with it. Uh, And now you've built this beautiful user experience around it. Why do you think you're the first one to do this? Why do you think these areas specifically have been so far behind compared to everything else in the user UX space, basically? Yeah, it seems obvious. We have Airbnb, we have Uber. Why isn't there the breakout app that manages all of your consumer rights? And there are actually many reasons why that's the case. And we've learned a lot from the people in the past who have failed. I would say the main one or two reasons. The first reason is that do not pay is very horizontal. So in the past, we've had apps that like help you um, fight your parking ticket or help with a delayed flight, but that's all they do. And so the consumer doesn't really want to download an entire app just for that one thing. And so their growth has been limited. And then the second reason is all to do with cost. Um, it, some of these previous services have charged 50% of what you save or sometimes even like a $60 fee. And so because of that, um, it's too expensive to get uh, broad usage. And so I think there have been a few well-designed ones, but um, that those are the biggest two reasons. And then in terms of why the government doesn't just do this themselves, the government uh, has no incentive to make right. the experience better. They have a monopoly on the system. So let me ask you about how you charge, because when I downloaded it, you know, I was kind of like, what's the catch? Why is this so good and seemingly free? And then when I signed up, it asked me to give a $3 a month, what you call tip, not a subscription, which I thought was interesting. Uh, What made you think of call it a tip instead of calling it a subscription, even though, let's be honest, that's kind of what it is. Well, I think it's slightly different from a subscription because if you uh, phone up the Netflix billing department and you ask them, hey, I didn't get value from the service. Can uh, I get a refund? They'll say, unfortunately, you know, you used it. We don't give refunds. We do not pay. We, if you didn't get a value, we give you no questions asked refunds. And so it's, it's kind of like at a restaurant. Um, if you have a lot doing lots of ordering, um, they'll add 20% to your bill as a tip, but you can ask to remove it. It's the exact same thing, but obviously we're not a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's $3 a month, which I think is very, very reasonable for all of the things that you provide. I mean, if you just get someone out of one traffic ticket, obviously it's worth it right there. So I'm not saying that it's overcharging, but I just wanted to know about that. Um, and by the way, it doesn't start until you're successful. Oh, really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking at the app right now. I wanted to ask you about a few of the different things. Like you guys are adding stuff all the time. What, what, how do you decide what services to add next? 
So every Wednesday, the entire Do Not Pay team of 11 people meets, and we have a competition within the company who can come up with the most interesting services. And it's amazing the stuff that we come up with every week. And we have a vote, and that's basically it. Um, in terms of how we think about it, we think about um, mass virality. So what is a product that can help 100 million plus people? We think about automation. Obviously, we're not making much money with the $3, so it has to be almost entirely automated. And then we think about like distribution. How can we reach people with that problem? Well, that leads me into a couple new questions. One, is it completely uh, basically AI? There's no people actually working on the problems, or do you have human intervention still? We have no employees working on the problems. We do have uh, what we call QA, so checking to make sure everything's right, and that's what the $3 pays for, but it's fully automated aside from that. Okay, and so you mentioned that in deciding you, you think about like, because I wanted to ask you a little bit about your, uh, I guess you could call it viral PR techniques that you seem to be pretty good at because you've been published in quite a few places that are notable like Wired and other bigger publications. And I saw one that really interested me, which is if you book a flight and you're worried about uh, getting on a 737 MAX with Boeing's fiasco, you actually have a service that can figure out if your plane is going to be a 737 MAX and then get your flight changed. Is that right? That, that's right. So um, everyone says, you know, do not pay so great at marketing. How do you guys do it? And I think the reason we do it is, is nothing to do with marketing. We're just really disciplined with creating products people love and then they sell themselves. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I don't think you do much paid marketing, at least that I can see. But it's mostly just, I mean, how I found you was through Twitter. Someone had, uh, you did a, a thread on the new features of your app and someone retweeted it and I saw it on my timeline. And I think, I guess my question is, how do you think about building viral products that get people to want to write about you and people to share your products? Like, how do you think about that? So we bring in some of the most skeptical people into the office and we just try and pitch the product to them. And we know if they like it, then the media will like it. And then the broader public, in turn, will also like it. Um, to answer your question, we spent exactly $0 on paid marketing. Okay, I figured. It didn't seem like you did. But obviously, you haven't needed to so far, which is, which is a great thing. Uh, I think a lot of companies are very would probably be envious of that fact that you have such a viral – I mean – Really, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of the things you do seem obvious. Obviously, it's it's easy to say those things in hindsight, but it really seems like, wow, why doesn't this exist? Especially like on the customer service issues. Uh, like you can, I, I used your bot yesterday just to test it to uh, cancel a subscription and it gave me a little thing saying that it's working on it right now, which I think is pretty interesting. Does that, it has a little, uh, we're working on a bar. Is that bar like real how does it like it, i can see that it's progressed from yesterday how does it uh how does that bar work or is that more just for show no it's definitely not for show it's like um uber eats so we modeled it off uber eats mm -hmm. um and various things have to get done um to cancel your subscription and as each thing gets done it moves up and it's actually a live uh representation of the total things in the queue and what the average time is for that issue Okay, interesting. Well, then it should be solved soon. I'll find out. Um, I also, I saw that you had a new service that was uh, 
basically for free trials, which I think is a fantastic service. It's it's basically you create a fake credit card for people to use for a free trial so that they don't get charged, which I think has happened to everybody. Uh, my question is, though, do you think that companies, I mean, how does that work? How do you make a fake credit card that gets accepted as valid? So uh, I, I should say we're not in the business of making fake credit cards. It's actually a real credit card issued in our name. And um, what happens is the credit card, uh, we control the approvals and declines with a real-time engine that does that. And we approve all the free child uh, like test charges, but then decline real charges. Uh-huh. And so we're so sure that it works that, as I said before, the card is in our name. And so you're not actually responsible. We won't charge you for anything made on the card. So you can sign up for Netflix and not have to worry. That's very clever. But are you worried that companies will like, have a filter to check to see if it's your card and deny it if it is? Uh, so uh, we uh, have a relationship with multiple banks. Um, it's called a bank identification number. And we have so many relationships. And we also randomize the zip code and the BIN that um, if the companies were to shut this down, they'd have to exclude 5% of their legitimate customers. Hmm. Okay. Well, then, I guess that answers that. Yeah, I thought that was a very... Because I've seen similar things, like you also have a, a fake email service as well, right? And I've seen that before. But I guess you're kind of just putting all of these different things into one app and then adding your own features. And that's really the appeal of it, right? Yeah, and we try and make it that 5% better. So although fake email services exist elsewhere, ours also disables read receipt and location tracking through our service. And so what uh, we were talking about the viral... Uh, product itself what product besides the parking tickets which is obviously the original thing what has brought in the most users of all the products you've added Uh, so when Equifax leaked the credentials of over 300 million Americans we created a bot that allowed you to sue them in small claims court and that probably brought in the most users in a single day we had about 500,000 uniques wow and I, I mean you have a lot of like you can sue people if someone owes you over $500 and uh, obviously, traffic disputes and that Equifax. What's your success rate on all of these things? So we have it uh, for each product, but for parking tickets, it's between 50 and 60%. Um, for things like government services, like creating a DMV appointment, it can be closer to 100%. I would say average, it's it's around 50%. And then uh, in terms of like uh, small claims court things, Unfortunately, a lot of people actually don't go to court. You still have to show up. So that's probably the lowest around 30%. If people do show up, is the success rate very high? Oh, yeah. Then it's like 70%. Okay. Very interesting. And so, okay. So what about the data? Because obviously your product, by its very nature, collects a lot of, I guess, sensitive information about people. Uh, How do you deal with that data how do you use it how do people how can people know they can trust you so um we don't store any of the data ourselves we store it with two partners one is called verygoodsecurity.com and the other is called plaid.com plaid is like a partner of venmo um and other and Robinhood and other top financial apps and very good security is like a bank level pci compliant storage and so we think we would be hypocrites if we stored all of this stuff ourselves, and so we don't take any of that liability. And if either of those two were to get hacked, it would take down the entire world of fintech. And so they 
that's their sole mission to be secure. And so mm -hmm. they spend a lot of resources to do that. Interesting. Okay. So you, yeah, so you know, you're not in the business of selling data, anything like that. Absolutely not. It's the first line of our terms of service is that we will not sell or run your data. And also we have a direct like business relationship with the consumer. I think a lot of times if uh, you're not paying for the product, you are the product, but with us, you are actually paying for the product. And so uh, the long-term roadmap of, of this company, is it basically just to create uh, the ultimate AI assistant that just takes care of all the annoying stuff in your life? Is that kind of the vision or is it something else? That's part of the vision, but another aspect is kind of like uh, the mission control for all your consumer rights um, and then also financial rights. I think a lot of fintech apps have been trying to get to that point by like just showing your, your bank balance with a really nice design. But at the end of the day, you can just check your Wells Fargo app for your bank balance. But this area is a unique wedge to get into that consumer trust point so that we can become that like financial control center. Do you think if you gain enough traction and that, say, you start getting millions of users and lots of people using this, that companies will start changing the way they operate, especially customer service-wise? Yeah, we get that question a lot. I would say that Do Not Pay would have to get really, really big to um, impact that, and then that's a great problem to have. Um, like, Wells Fargo has millions of customers, and so uh, just to send, like, tens of thousands of requests to them a day, which is probably when they would start noticing, would mean that Do Not Pay would get really big. So that's definitely a problem we think about, but it's more on the longer term. And I, you, you mentioned the, the chatbots. I've got to say, when using your chat, I've used a lot of chatbots, and most of them suck, honestly. And they oftentimes just tell you, okay, well, I'm going to get you with a person now. But obviously, you said you only have 11 people, so that's not really an option. Uh, how do you design your bots to be so much better than everybody else's? That's really kind of you to say, but honestly, we failed ourselves. Do Not Pay has existed with my side project just for like over three years now. And so we've just learned by failing and looking at the data and keeping improving it. And to switch topics a little bit more about you, uh, can you tell me, because when I was researching, I, I saw an interview where you, can you tell me about the Pret a Manger? Is that how you pronounce it? Pret a Manger? The, sure. the story? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really popular, it's like the number two sandwich chain in the UK. It's like, um, Taco Bell here. They have a few locations in like Chicago and New York, but mainly it's a UK chain. And I'd always love to create iPhone apps. And so, and I was a big fan of eating breakfast at Pret-a-Manger. And so I thought, well, an app didn't exist for Pret-a-Manger. Why not create one for them? And this was back in the day in uh, 2011, when if you had an iPhone app that showed you the location of a nearest store, that was like groundbreaking technology. So. I created it for Pret-a-Manger, just like ripped off all of their copyrights from their website and all of their graphics. And it became really popular. It was like top 10 in the food and drink category of the app store. Um, and I, I thought they would like sue me, but instead of suing me, they decided to make it into the official app. That's, that seems lucky. I feel like most companies would probably just try to sue you into oblivion. Why, why do you think they didn't do that? I, I think that um, it was a free app. Um, and so consumers loved it. And because it was so popular, they didn't want to alienate their consumer base by banning this app. And also, they, they had been trying to do an app for years, I would later learn. And they 
didn't they were very slow with that and so they thought wow we can kind of kill two birds with one stone and get this app for cheap because this guy is just a uh, high school student so you so you kind of broke the law a little bit and then you ended up getting paid for it i feel like that's a a recurring theme with you because i mean do you get a lot of regulatory pressure or anybody kind of trying to stop you from doing what you're doing with do not pay because obviously with the parking tickets and other things you're taking away from government revenues and things of that nature do you get pushback i de- definitely um there's uh, all these laws in all 50 states called unauthorized practice of law and some people would argue that what do not pay is doing is unauthorized practice of law by providing these documents and stuff like that um however what i would say is that um the first amendment is a pretty strong concept in the u.s and so giving people opinions on legal advice is unfortunately for these lawyers protected. And so a lot of people like to make noise about these regulations, but this is the one area where it's like speech and documents. So we're, we're hopefully protected and we've spoken to some great lawyers who've confirmed that. And so you said before, like we were discussing that you want to replace all lawyers. Have, has anybody tried to sue you or anything like that yet? We've got a few season desist letters, but no one sued us yet. Okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's most of my questions. Um, you've been great so far. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about, about Do Not Pay, and tell the audience? Um, no, but I, I'd love to tell your audience how to check it out. Um, it's an iOS app, and it can be accessed by going to donotpay.com or searching Do Not Pay on the App Store. Okay. And my deal with... Uh, people who are early stage startups is that because I had you on early when you become a unicorn one day and you get a million media requests you still have to come back on this podcast and do another interview absolutely okay well thank you very much for your time this was great I think your product is great it, I mean obviously uh, it's viral for a reason people don't share things that aren't worth sharing so uh, I wish you all the best and I think it was great thank you again bye bye have a good one Hey, everybody, real quick before you go, uh, I just wanted to thank Joshua again. Actually, uh, before I get into it, I was about to say uh, for doing this episode, I think he and his company will go a long way. I think they will be very successful. I think, I mean, the app is great. I've been using it. I suggest all of you use it as well. Just give it a shot. I'll put all the links to download that. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, I'll put that in the show notes as well so you can all check it out. Uh, I did want to say this week's episode was actually going to be uh, me talking about Facebook's Libra coin. Um, but then Joshua agreed to do this interview, so I decided to push it back to next week. But uh, next week will be me discussing Facebook's Libra coin. I've been delaying it a bit because I wanted to get all my ducks in a row and really think about it uh, before I did it. And then this week there were congressional hearings. Uh, I did not listen to the full five hours, but I listened to about an hour and a half, two hours of it. Um, and then I read the full 26-page uh, white paper uh, that Facebook put out. And I've been doing a lot of research on it. And I think, I think I've put together what I what I'm calling the the grand theory of Facebook's strategy behind Libra. And I have not, I have not seen anybody come to the conclusion that I've come to. Uh, at least from what I've read, I've read a lot of other articles from a lot of very smart people in the the crypto space um, and the finance world in general. And I have not seen anybody 
come to the conclusion that I have. And so I'm, that's why I'm interested and excited to bring it to you next week. But it requires kind of a thorough explanation. So that's why I don't want to give it right now. But anyways, next week will be all Facebook Libra, unless I have another special interview. But even if I do, I might put the interview after that. Um, so next week will probably be Facebook Libra. So look forward to that. I bet you what I have to say is nothing that you've heard about it before. It will be new and unique. I'm hoping. Anyways, that's my little teaser for next week. Uh, thank you to Joshua again. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. If you did, please share this episode with somebody else who you think uh, would enjoy it, could learn from it, anything of that nature. Just one person. You don't have to share it on Twitter or Facebook or whatever platform you use. I, I welcome you to do so, but you do not have to. Just share it to one person with one person. Uh, and it would mean a lot. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next week.